if people knew how much God responds to gratitude and how much it opens it opens the gates of heaven and opens the windows of heaven, you know, you would anchor yourself in a posture that says, thank you, God, you know, and I give you the glory even in advance that you that you want to, you know. The Profile with Premier Christianity Magazine. Hello, you're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hells, editor of Premier Christianity Magazine. That's the UK's leading Christian magazine, and it brings you this show every week. Our guest this week on The Profile is Mia Fields. Mia is a Christian singer-songwriter, worship leader. She's from Australia originally, but now lives in Nashville in the US. And she's been talking to the deputy editor of Premier Woman Alive magazine, Jemima Wright. And Mia's been sharing some amazing, miraculous stories of what God has done in her life. So without any further ado, let's listen in. This is Mia Fields in conversation with Jemima Wright. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us. Of course, of course. I want to ask you so many questions, but to start off with, can you just share a bit of your background? Because I've I've heard that you were born in, is it Milford, Australia? Myrtleford. Myrtleford, okay. Like I was born in Shepparton, but I grew up in Myrtleford and it's like a really small rural town and um my mum was single um and she like she got pregnant at 21 and found out she was pregnant with triplets um she had a um a heroin problem and got off drugs when she had us but then kind of like went back went back to drugs after having us um and we so we kind of she and she like kind of just had a really rough upbringing herself so we got past uh you know we got put into um foster care when we were little we lived in my mum's car for a bit in like a women's refuge and then in like low-income housing um but it was like the Salvation Army that that gave us food and and really like would pick us up as like five-year-olds like to go Sunday school you know so like it's funny like people would think you know maybe you're driving like a van to pick up kids for Santa school and it doesn't feel like it's going to have that big of an impact. But, you know, for me, it had a huge impact to the point where, you know, now I'm like a huge advocate of generosity because I know how much it can change a person's life. You know, I came to know God through songs, through the Sunday school songs. And like now I write songs to help other people know God so that they would maybe have not the same experience, but like the opportunity to know God. Yeah. And then, you know, even to the point of like, you know, our our daughter's name is Booth because it's the, you know, the founder of the salvation. Yeah, was Catherine Booth. So you know, it had a huge impact. That is amazing. So yeah, I was I was wondering how you came to faith. So it was was through the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Through the Salvation Army, and you yeah. know, you never underestimate what like giving someone food parcels or you know, you, you know, that you go into the 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 shopping center at Christmas and. You know, there's the trees and the Salvation Army's there um, asking people to buy gifts for one kid, you know, a Christmas yeah. angel kid, you know, and I was a Christmas angel kid. So you just never know, like, yeah. like what your, what your, like, little act of generosity is going to do, you know, that someone is, you know, it's true that kindness really does bring people to repentance. So, yeah. yeah. So That's amazing. And so then... From the you were saying that you you came to the, the the songs had an impact and then I I read or I heard that you said that as a young girl you used to write letters to God. I did, yeah. yeah. I um, you know, I I think I was quite unpopular at school, um, but from a really young age, I, I think right from when I first attended the Salvation Army, we would sing these songs, and then I remember the day they gave the Salvation Appeal. And they said, Jesus can come and live in your heart and he'll be your best friend and he'll never leave you. And that was just, it's like as soon as I said that prayer, it was so real for me. And it's not like my theology, you know, I went to Bible college and all that sort of stuff, but my theology, my core theology really is those songs. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All of that became like the foundation of my theology. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, because it was so real for me, I took it all pretty seriously and took it all as like, 
like just fact, you know, it's just as yeah. truth. So I would, I would go through, even as like someone in high school who wasn't very popular and who was overlooked quite a bit, you know, I would, I would still listen to like sermons at youth group or in kids church or read my Bible. And it, it would say things like many are called and few are chosen. And I would think I, I, I have the opportunity to be one of the chosen ones. God, I'm one of the chosen ones. Wow. And so I, I, I learned from a really young age. I think, you know, everybody has a gift, you know, and I really, I know that one of my gifts was faith. Yeah. You know, and I I think Christians are always asking, like, God, give me faith. But I think he already has given all of us, you know, a portion of faith. And the more you use it, the bigger it gets, you know, and the more you can believe for crazy things when, when really it's all anchored in the same thing. And that's just being convinced that God is as good as he says he is. Yeah. So, so I would write these letters to God thinking, I know that I know that I know that you're hearing me. I know that I know that I know that these are not just empty words. And I would save them. My mom actually still has boxes and boxes of letters that I wrote to God when I was a kid. And I would like sit up. My sisters would be in bed and I would sit up in the in the doorway of our room and with a, like, you know, with the hallway light on, just write letters to God. And I just did it every night. And to be honest, I think it was just a really good habit to get into before I was writing songs confessing that you know and declaring that God was going to do things I was writing letters declaring that God was going to do things so yeah that that is amazing my next question you've kind of answered it because it it was knowing a bit of your story it seems like you are faith is something that you 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 just believe and so your actions are you haven't seen yet in your circumstances but you believe that God is who he says he is um how did you keep your faith strong when you hadn't yet seen the things you were hoping for you know, I think um, I think it just didn't occur to me that God ever wanted to let me down or wanted to be cruel to me, you know. And I think that's the big thing with faith for anyone. I think when you anchor your faith in this situation is going to work out like this, then like it's hard, it, it's hard when the situation doesn't go the way you thought. But when you anchor your faith in, in the midst of this situation, God wants to be incredibly kind and God has an answer and God keeps his promises. Mm. So like I, I've been saying a lot, like I've done a few podcasts lately and, and they've kind of been asking the same kind of questions. And one of the things that I say to people is you have, you've got to get a promise from God. You know, you've got to go to God and you've got to get a promise from him. And whether it's something where he speaks to you audibly, whether it's like a prophetic word for some for somebody else, or whether it's you go to the word of God, to the Bible, and you find a promise that applies to your situation, I think it's far easier to pray from a promise than it is to pray for one. You know, so I think every single time I've I've believed God for something, I've gone back to the last thing he said mm. and the last pro- thing he said in relation to that thing. And I've stood on that and I've said, well, I don't see it yet, but this is, this is what I know to be true. And this is what I know God wants to do. And if he said it, I've never, you know, he doesn't break his word. So it's really just a matter of timing, you know, and, and I think as well, just doing things in the natural, like if you are convinced that God is going to be good and God is going to be kind, then you can, you can almost make room in your life for those sort of things. So, you know, one example is, you know, when we, when we found out I had tumors in my, in my womb, um, we went and bought a crib because we were like, this is not going to stop us from, from having kids. Now, when I woke up from surgery, they'd not only taken those tumors, they'd also taken one of my ovaries, which, you know, in your late thirties is not what you want to hear, but you know, you have a choice in those moments, whether you're going to partner with like what your reality is or partner with, the last thing that God said, you know? So for me, God had said to me, I'm going to take your story from a beautiful story to a miracle story. So even in the midst of that, like I have a, I have the opportunity to confess something different. Mm-hmm. So when I woke up, my husband said to me, love, I'm so sorry. They've taken one of your ovaries as well. And I just looked up at him and, and, you know, I think everybody has this opportunity in those moments, whether you partner with fear, or whether you partner with being convinced that God wants to be good to you. Mm-hmm. For me, I just said, well, that's okay. We'll just call the one I have left, we'll call it Here Ovary, and it can be the hero of the story. Excellent. I love that. I think as well, like, you know, it's really hard to to keep your faith up when you've got um, doubters in the room. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really careful about who I surround myself with and even who who I share with, you know, I don't, 
especially during pregnancy, I got like some really demonic words. <laughs> and I just, I just was like, you know what? I just, I have the yeah. same way that Jesus got, got all the doubters out of the room so he can raise a little girl from the dead. Yeah. I think sometimes you're going to get people that like don't want to partner with faith and people that want to give you natural solutions or just call out the reality of what they see. To be honest, sometimes you've got to get those people out of your, out of your faith room, you know, out of your space. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, um- Okay, so just to go back a bit, can can you share your um, the beautiful story? How you met your husband? So you were in, you were with Hillsong in Sydney for I don't know how long, but then you felt God say to go to Nashville. Is that right? Yeah. So I was at Hillsong for ten years. I moved there when I was seventeen, and it's really where I like you know really developed my writing as like the the craft of writing mm-hmm. and it was like such amazing training ground and along the way God was super kind and you know used some of those songs which was very kind especially when you felt like you didn't know what you're doing um but I was coming back and forward to Nashville for about four or five years and then after a while it just felt like you know the the grace to be in Sydney was gone and that I was in kind of transition and I actually, I actually said when I first started coming to Nashville, I'll never, I'll never live in America. Like I'm never going to live in America. And then, you know, when God started like taking the grace off, off of like being in Sydney, I started to really miss Nashville and I started to, to like long for it. So I think that's always like a really great thing. Like where, you know, the desire. Something, yeah. You, something you never thought you would do. You start to like have such a heart for it, you know? So I moved to Nashville when I was 27 and then, you know, I think I thought that I would, like, move to America and get married and get a green card and all that sort of stuff, but that's not how it went. Um, so I ended up getting a green card and then I think I'd kind of been a bit, I'd be, like, I'd been quite disappointed in, like, the dating experience and in, like, relationships. And so I'd never really dated someone that long term. It's probably, like, a, a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't have peace about this and I'd, I'd kind of bail. Or something awful would happen and then I'd be like, oh, cool, so you're like, doing dodgy stuff with your ex-girlfriend well that's not good you know so that's like not an ideal experience to have and I think it's easy to like let your experience frame your expectation for the future so I you know the first thing that God did in me was he'd said to me um because I'd said to him I want to trust you in this area but I'm I I just I don't know what you're doing and and he said to me I want to heal the sickness with no name and and he'd in saying that what he was saying was you're you're so disappointed that you're disappointed in me you're not just disappointed in like your experience you're disappointed in me and I was like no I'm not no I'm not but God knows us so well and he was like no you're disappointed in me so even if I did something for you you wouldn't be able to see it you would you would just like whittle it down to coincidence you know and I want you to know that it was me so he started doing like this work in me where he was healing disappointment and kind of took me by the hand and and was like, if you want, then like I'll I'll walk this story out with you, you know? And I was like, great. So I remember he'd done this big healing work in me with disappointment. And I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I was in church one day and I'd said to God, God, I'm gonna keep trusting you. And I'd I'd noticed that I started finishing the year really hopeful. And like when things didn't go right, it didn't matter, I was still quite hopeful. Um, and I said, I'm gonna keep trusting you, but I wanna know what you're doing. And he said, okay. And I had this vision and in the vision, I was in a massive furniture warehouse and I look around and I look to my side and God, the father, like the father heart of God is standing right beside me and he smiles at me and he says, you can pick anything you want, which I feel like is like, you know, everything that God says is so loaded, you know, like we hear it as like, oh, you can pick anything you want. But for me, it meant like all the limitations are off. Every yeah. every limitation that everyone's tried to put on you, oh, well, you're, you're in your mid-30s or, you know, this is your experience or this is, you know, like this is how we rank you as far as like what you we think, you know, you, you know how your friends kind of lowball you sometimes? They don't mean to, but they do. Um, they're like, here you can, here's the leftovers that you have available to you. And I'm like, that's just not how God works, you know? Um, so I... So God had said, you can pick anything you want. And I look out at this furniture warehouse and he's like, yeah, go look. And I start walking around and every now and then I will get to something and I'll just feel like, I mean, this could work, but but I would deep down not have any peace. And 
Anyway, I finally go back to God and I just say to God, I'm a, I, I remember feeling a bit upset and I say to God, I don't want to do this if if you're not going to pick with me because nothing here feels like it's for me. I just don't have peace about it, so I need you to pick with me. And he smiles and he gets down close and he says to me, you know, Mia, everything here is good. I'm actually the one that made all of it. And he said, so I know that there are actually things here that are better for you than other things. But he said, if you really want me to pick with you, and not everybody does, he said, I will custom make it for you. And then he said to me, but custom made things take a little bit longer. Are you willing to be empty handed for a while longer? And I said, yes. And then the vision was over. Right. So from that point on, I that's my reference point for like what God's doing. Yeah. You know, when I can't see anything on the horizon, when my all my friends are getting married before me, mm. when everything is like not looking like it's moving at all, my reference point is God's custom making something. And he said, I, he told, he let me know I would be empty handed for a little bit longer. So I kind of like then spent the next year and a half on this, on this journey of like, if, if faith is the evidence of things unseen, then I'm going to hunt for evidence of what God is doing instead of what he's not doing. So I almost went on this journey of like looking for the the proof of what God was doing. And to the point where when I couldn't feel anything, I couldn't see anything, I would almost just move in the opposite spirit. So like I would do stupid things. Like if I was having a sad day, I would literally go to Sephora and like, like buy the men's cologne that I liked the best. Cause I thought, well, this is for someone because God's custom making it. So they're going to be stoked when I give this to them, you know, and I, and I, you know, I actually did. So, and then every now and then I would like, I'd go back to God and, you know, in the waiting season and I would say, uh, can you just remind me of what you're doing? And he would either say nothing. So I would have to go back to this, the last thing he said, which was about custom made or, you know, there was one point where, like I was in in church and I felt like he he said to me it's in the mail, and I was like it's in the mail that means it's on the way this is excellent you know and I think in our brains we try and then like you know estimate how God's going to do it and like you know line it up in our head but God never does it the way we think anyway, but you know all that to say I went on this like journey with God where I would just I would be staying staying in com- communion with him and also saying, how can I partner with you in this? And, you know, I think God God overlooks, you know, even your feelings and sometimes even your deepest desires, but he'll find faith and he'll move, you know. Um, and even now being a parent, like I can totally see how that's true. When you're like, when you're, you know, the way my kid looks at me and like she's so, I can tell she's so convinced that I that I want to be kind to her, that it makes me want to be kind to her. Not that God can be manipulated, but I think there's something to, I don't know, just believing that that God not, you know, I have this this saying like someone asked me what my life motto would be and it's, you know, I say God can, he will, and he wants to, you know, and I think a lot of people have a disconnect with the last one. You know, I think most Christians know that God can because they have a whole book that's proof that he can. That's good. You know. They know that God will because they've seen him do it in other people's lives. But I think that the part he wants to, I think some people just deep down don't believe that God wants to be good to them. Yeah. Or they live in like a, a very religious, you know, place where they've been taught like the cross was enough and you don't get anything else. But I'm I'm, I'm sorry, heaven's just not that stingy. Mm-hmm. You know, of course the cross was the most generous thing and everything comes from that, but He's a God who who has so much more. Like, and if he didn't with, withhold his son, then why would he withhold anything else? You know, and I think when you you start to understand God's heart, you realize that you've never, you really, you really never have any unanswered prayers. You just have prayers that God's been like, just walk it out with me and wait, and I have something better. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so all that to say, I I went on this journey with God. He said it's in the mail. And like I would partner with him in random ways. Like one day I heard this this sermon and it was about um Jericho. And, and it was like, you know, what do you do when you reach your promise, but you hit a wall? You march around the wall. So I was like, well, God, you said it was in the mail. So then I like went home and marched around my mail building like seven times at midnight. And not like not because I was like trying to do it at midnight, it's just the time I got home. And I'm sure the neighbors probably thought this girl's crazy. Um, but you know, and yeah. it would be awesome if like the heavens opened up and like a, a 
a perfect specimen of a man floated down from the clouds, but that's not what happened. Mm. Nothing happened, but I still, you know, faith is is like, God, I know you saw that and I did it in faith and I don't need for there to be some big parade or anything. Well, the next morning, though, I got like two messages from friends I hadn't talked to in a while and both of them had had dreams that I about me getting married, wow. which, you know, you can't write that stuff. Mm. So kind of went on this whole journey with God, went to Israel, you know, found God there instead of, you know, went to the wailing wall and instead of, you know, I think if you're if you're praying for a promise, you'll beg God. If you're praying from one, you'll thank him for what he's already offered you. So I went to the wailing wall and because he'd already said I'm going to custom make something, I just left a thank you prayer in the wailing wall instead of a please do this prayer. And, you know, that's a secret weapon even in and of itself is like if people knew how much God responds to gratitude and how much it opens it opens the gates of heaven and opens the windows of heaven, you know, you would anchor yourself in a posture that says, thank you, God, you know, thank you that you're moving. Thank you that you that you want to make a way where there isn't a way. Thank you that you're orchestrating something that like I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to give you the glory for. And and I give you the glory even in advance that you that you want to, you know? So um, I came back from Israel and it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, there's nothing else you can do now. You just need to rest in what I've said to you. Because the whole time I was kind of like partnering and being like, okay, what's next, you know? And then, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say something to you and you'll think, oh, that's going to be an effort. And sometimes he'll say something and you'll say, you know, you'll just resolve, okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, okay. And I and it was a deep, a deep, um, it was a deep, okay. Like, yes. And that night I got an email and it said, you probably don't remember me, but two years ago I was at your church and you looked at me and you smiled and I've remembered it ever since. And I don't live in Nashville anymore, but I would love to take you on a date. And the Holy Spirit goes, I told you it was in the mail. Yeah. And I was like, God has a sense of humor and no one can tell me otherwise. Yeah. Um, Cause the email, very funny. Um, and you know, and then, even that whole week, you know, even in the lead up, you know, this is my, the, mm-hmm. the person I was getting married. And to be honest, I'd been given a few words about like even, you know, what he did as a job or what he looked like or how mm-hmm. old he was. And I, you know, I'm I'm not usually into those kind of words. And even when you get one, you have to hold everything loosely, you know, because you can't speak your will over somebody else's will. So, you know, that whole week I had to choose to not be in fear and believe that like, okay, God, your your promise is bigger even than the way this situation looks like it's going to go. And so I just kind of kept thanking God and believing like this is going to work out, you know. And then I met Joran and I think we went on like we went on one date and then I think the next day he was like, let's just be in a relationship. And I was like, okay, you know. And then so we got married six months later. Wow. And, yeah. So that, that is is extraordinary because I, I think I remember you said that one of the prophetic words was really specific saying he worked in government he was six foot one and had dark hair like exactly what he is that's extraordinary and, it's, and, and they also said he has kind eyes and if you see my husband he has like the kindest eyes in the whole world you know yeah and he you know so I think I think you've got to be careful about who you let speak into your life because you yeah. want to make sure that someone's not just reading your soul yeah that's which um but you know, this was from someone I really trust and they were actually quite hesitant to tell me, mm-hmm. but it was right at the end, like, of like, you know, walking this out with God. And I think, feel like it was like God going, I'm going to give you one last piece of encouragement to like kind of hold on to the yeah. end. And I think, you know, the whole point of it was not really like, like, yay, like this is like how to get a husband in five steps, mm-hmm. you know? The point of it was that, like, I would I would continue to have a track record with God, mm-hmm. where I would know how to trust Him for even bigger things than that. Yeah. You know, and before that, I trusted Him with with so many other things, with mm-hmm. moving countries, with like, you know, wanting to write songs but being terrible at it. You know, with like, like just believing for like like finance in different sort of situations, for believing in like the right the right friendships. You know that mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I think everything is about you know, that you are you are having testimony after testimony after testimony so that when you look back at your life, instead of having like all these like, like you know, all this pain or all this like stuff that, that happened that was like just hard, you look back and you can say, look what the Lord has done, look what the Lord has done, look what the Lord has done. You know, I want to 
I want a story where the road behind me is just alters. Yeah. In 2018, I was single and I must have got sent that podcast from people. I mean, like m- many different people. And I'm in England. That I mean, it, I imagine it went all over the world because there's many single Christian women. Did you feel the kind of the effect of it? You know, I think I think people can tell when something is like God did this. And I think people can tell when something is, I did this, but let me put yeah. a God better. Yeah. Right? You know, I think you can tell the difference when something's a testimony. And I think this was one area that not just myself, but like so many people want to believe that God is interested. And like, I, you know, when you're not surrounded by stories where God is so interested and so intentional, I think it can be incredibly discouraging. Like you're just left just waiting for like, oh, I hope it works out. Um, yeah. So I think people were, People were encouraged for their own stories and their own um, their own things they were believing for, even if it wasn't, you know, yeah. a spouse, it's like maybe the right job or like a baby or, you know, I think. Just that he's think, God's involved, he cares. And he's like intentional. Of yeah. course he's interested. I also think God knows I'm a bit of a loud mouth, so I think he knew I would I would be like, yeah, I'll tell everybody God did it. <laughs> um, but I, I remember it's funny because I've been, I've been writing songs for 23 years and, you know, I used to get, messages like hey like this song really encouraged me and I started getting like maybe 10 or 15 messages like on social media like a week or you know of of girls saying hey you don't know me but my friends sent me this podcast Mm. and it was that over and over again because no one ever really marketed it no one ever really I mean I never did I never like was like yes my podcast like I'm just not really like that um and even since I've been asked to like go to churches and share it again but I'm like oh but like I mean you can already listen to it so why would I like yeah 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 I'm kind of like I'm on to the next testimony I'm on to the next faith yeah yeah yeah. um yeah I I mean even now I still get like you know hi I'm from South Africa or hi I'm I'm from like you know Australia or hi I'm from New Zealand and you don't know this but my friend sent me this and so Mm it's like really sweet to see that encouraged people um and that they just you know, sent it to their friends, you know, yeah. there's something really cool about that, that no one like advertised it on Instagram yeah. or it's just encouraging for someone. And so they wanted to encourage somebody else. And then Crazy. the cool part was like, you know, I would, I would get these messages from girls and then I would get another message for them like a year or two later. And it would yeah. be a, a picture or a proposal picture and saying like that, and then them sharing with me what God did, which I'm like, I mean, how exciting is that? Oh, cool. You know, that, yeah. Yeah, like they have their own beautiful story. Oh, yeah, so encouraging. Which of these topics has not been covered on PremierChristianity.com? UFOs, near-death experiences, Doctor Who, Christ's Return, the faith of celebrities, and Andrew Tate. Trick question. We don't shy away from any topic. We cover faith as it affects us in daily life and give you the bigger picture. PremierChristianity.com. Special podcast subscription offer at PremierChristianity.com slash podcast. So before we go on to your miracle story, there's one question about, you just mentioned it with Joran in the ring, because from listening to your testimony, you, you screenshot a ring that was an antique ring that was kind of art deco, I think you said, and yeah. then then was gone. Like it, it was like an antique ring and you you wanted to find out the price of it and couldn't find it. And you didn't tell anyone this, only God knew. Yeah. And then Joran got the same ring. Yes. So, wow. you know, the, everyone's always like, how did he know the ring? Yeah. Um, so I wasn't, you know, it's funny because actually some of my friends tried to speak into it, but they didn't, I, I've never really sat down with friends and said, like, this is the kind of ring I want. Um, not just because I never thought to, you know, but I I was on Instagram one day or whatever and, like, you know, uh, Instagram's always hitting you the hardest. Like, you know, when you're believing for a baby, it's like here's some onesies or, like, yeah. you're believing to get married, here's some rings, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was on Instagram and, and this ad for a company called Brilliant Earth came up and they do they do rings but they also, like, resell, like, antique rings there was this one ring that came up. It was beautiful. And I screenshot it. And then a few days later, I thought, I wonder how much a ring like that costs because I really have no framework of rings. But I always thought I don't want someone dropping like 40K on a ring because that's stressful for me to wear. Um, and I thought, oh, I, I bet like I bet that's like, you know, a reasonable price. I don't really know. I've never priced a diamond. 
So I went back to Brilliant Earth. I went to their website to see if I could find the ring and I couldn't find it and it had sold. So I was kind of like, oh, well, and I just forgot about it. And But the, the photo was still in my phone. Um, and so Joran hadn't, but it's not like Joran went through my phone. Like I just was in my phone, um, but I forgot about it. Well, when Joran proposed, he he proposed with that ring and no one had told him what to do. If anything, they, you know, I'd had one friend kind of like deter him and like kind of sidetrack him and tell him to get something that I would have hated. Um, well, it, I say would have hated. I, I didn't really care that much, but it was really special that it was something that I had saved that only me and God knew about, you know, and and I still have the picture of the ring. Like, you know, actually I printed it off and laminated it. So um, how did you find the, the ring? So, you know, he was just on on this like website and he just felt like, oh, I think I want to get something that's vintage. He was on this website and he was scrolling through rings and he found one and he just said, I just felt like that was it. Like he goes, it it, it never really occurred to me. I just had a piece about it. So I just bought it and was like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it came and then he had it in his car and then one night he just proposed. So Amazing. Just amazing. So now you've got a beautiful baby girl, but the journey hasn't been easy. Can you share a bit of that and how God said, I'm going to give you a miracle story? Yeah. So um, we were kind of, you know, in our mid, just over mid thirties. And we, you know, we always wanted kids and we kind of, we'd traveled a bit and you know, got to just enjoy a bit of time just with the two of us. And then we thought, oh, you know, we want to start trying to have kids. Well, I'd had like, you know, one or two like health things that I thought, you know, they're not a big deal, but I kind of want to check those out before I get pregnant. So, you know, one of the things was I was like quite anemic and I was like, okay, well, you know, I want that to be sorted. So I'd gone to like doctors in America and then they couldn't really seem to like figure out what it was. And then I was home for Christmas and I went to a doctor in Australia, and he said, oh, let's just do a scan. So they, I went down and they did an ultrasound of, of my uterus and then, um, you know, and then they say, okay, come back tomorrow and we'll give you the results tomorrow. Well, that night I had a dream that I was 20 weeks pregnant with twins and one was bigger and one was smaller. And I remember saying to the doctor, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And the doctor said, everything's fine. You don't have anything to worry about. And I was like, but like, there's a like a big twin and a small t- twin and the doctor looked me in the eye and he said he said I promise you everything is going to be okay and and I was like okay and I woke up from the dream and I thought that was a weird dream to have but it was like you know when you you know when you have like a god dream and it's super memorable like you can't forget it so I go back to the doctor that morning and they said um the results of your scan are that your uterus has grown to 20 weeks pregnant and there is two tumors in there and one is bigger and one is smaller it's like and I just straight away knew like, oh, God, it was God in the dream. God's the doctor. And so even though I've got this diagnosis, I know everything's going to be okay. And I really like, you know, I, I I didn't really didn't have like fear about it. I really just was like, oh, okay, I'm, it's, this is just something I'm going to have to deal with. And then, you know, then we're going to have kids. So I booked in with a specialist in um, Nashville and I went in, gave her the results. She was like, yep, no worries. And I said, okay, let's book surgery. Well, like, yes, great. We're all excited about it. Let's just get it done. And then I was thinking the whole time it's going to be keyhole surgery, so it's not going to be that big of a deal. And she just looks at me and just, you know, just shakes her head and said, I'm really sorry. No, it's going to be open abdominal surgery. Um, and I said, what, like a C-section? She said, yeah, it's like basically a C-section. She goes, it's, it's harder than a C-section, but it's basically a C-section. And I was kind of like, oh, I didn't count on that. And I remember the morning going in, and being like, not scared, but just like disappointed, you know, because I'd really been believing for healing all the way up until like the surgery, like the night before the surgery, I was at a friend's house and, you know, I mean, that guy prays for people with cancer and they get healed. Mm. And he, he'd prayed for me. And, and so I was just really feeling like, oh, this, this is going to, this is going to be the thing. Um, which I think that's a, a great place to live in. Like just believe that God can and that he wants to and that he will regardless of you know how how he does it you know and then that morning God had spoken to me and he just said I'm going to take your beautiful I'm going to take your story from a beautiful story to a miracle story and I remember like 
you know, being in like the on the hospital bed and thinking, but that's gonna that means I need to I'm gonna need a miracle. Like, and I thought, well, maybe he's doing a miracle right now. And so I went into surgery, and that's when, like, you know, it was supposed to take two or three hours. It took like seven or seven and a half. And um, they came out and they basically had to like chop into my uterus and then piece it back together. And they also took an ovary while I was in there. And I remember waking up and being like, oh, but thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk this out. They told us we had to wait six months because it was such an aggressive surgery that we couldn't even try and get pregnant for another six months. Well, six months rolls around. I mean, I told them I'll be back in five because I'll be healed in five easily. And they were like, you won't be, but okay. Well, I went back in five and they were shocked. They were like, this is this is crazy. We cannot even see where we cut into your uterus. Like there's not even any scars there. And I was like, fantastic. Um, so then we tried to get pregnant for a while. And I'm telling you, like we we would like rev ourselves up with hope, you know, like we had, we even had like our, a crib and we set it up because we were just so convinced that God was going to do this great thing for us. And I think if you if you don't hold on to hope, no matter what you're believing for, if you can't hold on to hope, then you really are barren, you know, and that that's a bigger barrenness mm. than actually not holding a baby in your arms, you know. So I know what it's like to go and have a C-section and come out empty-handed, except I didn't. I came out with, with a promise from God that he was going to give me a miracle story. Well, we we tried for about a year, and, I mean, I convinced myself every month that I was pregnant, like to the point of I was like, no, no, it's like it's definitely not bleeding. It's implantation bleeding. And I'm like, no, it definitely wasn't, you know. Um, but we just we just stayed really hopeful, and we didn't really allow ourselves um, we didn't allow ourselves a ton of time to like be disappointed or to grieve too much because, you know, I would be grieving if I didn't have a promise, but I didn't need to because it's just, it's not a no, it's just a not yet, you know? So there's, there's no point in grieving over a not yet. Um, anyway, we, we tried for like a year and then, um, after a year I'd, I'd started like, I'd started feeling like, oh, there's something not quite right. I went back for a scan and they said, oh, you, your tumours have grown back, so we're going to have to go in again and do surgery. So they did. When and was um, this? This must have been in 2022 or 2023. Wow. 2022. Yeah. 2022. Um, it was in April of 2022. Um, so they went in and did surgery again and then we got to start trying again a bit sooner this time because they were able to do the surgery differently this time. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically it just wasn't happening. And then, you know, they referred us to a fertility clinic. We went to the fertility clinic. They they tried a bunch of things. They were like, we want to put you on this medication. I was like, not really keen. Then they were like, we want to put you on these hormones. I'm like, my hormone levels are fine. Like it's really not a hormone issue. Um, And then after like a while, they just, I remember going in, and they, they just sat us down and they just said, look, you're pretty much out of options. And I just said to them, respect. I know you medically have to tell me what you're seeing, but I respectfully, I, I still believe in miracles. I'm going to get pregnant. Like, and they were just like, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, and I just said to them, like, it would be, it would be great if you could just take me off all your lists. Like, don't sign me up for anything. Don't contact me. Take me off your mailing list. Like, I just, I don't want to hear from you guys not in a disrespectful way, but like, I just, I don't want to like go down this road anymore. And I just said like, I, I'm going to get a miracle and I will call you when I'm pregnant. And they were kind of like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I called them like two or three weeks later and just said, and I just want to. was that fast? Yeah. I said, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant. Um, and, you know, I wish they were like, yeah, this is amazing. But, you know, they, they, I don't think they were that stoked they were kind of like okay great whatever like yeah. um but my doctor my, my doctor who'd done my surgery and who actually delivered our, our daughter she was like she jumped up and down she was so excited for us so um so yeah so we got this got this like miracle pregnancy and then you know I remember a few people saying to me like well don't say anything don't tell anyone because you might still have a miscarriage and I, that's that's it motivated me to tell everybody when I was yeah. still 10 months because I was just like, no, like I'm not actually in charge of sustaining a miracle. Like God is in charge. So, you know, one thing people didn't know is 
um, Booth's cord was marginal, which means that the, the cord is not in the center of the placenta, it's on the edge. So they worry that the baby will not be getting enough nutrients or whatever, and they'll be small or underdeveloped or, you know, and I just was like, I'm just not going to worry about that. And I'm not even going to tell anyone because I just am not going to worry. And then the other thing was um, there was a tumor growing in there with her, you know, so it was um, underneath the placenta, which is not a great place for the tumor to be because, you know, it can like separate your placenta. Mm. But I just was like, nope, like God can sustain this miracle. And every time I would have fear, I would like say out loud, God, you gave us a miracle you can sustain. So I was born at like, you know, I I had her a little early because they had to do a scheduled C-section because of all the operations, but most peaceful experience, like went in there. I mean, I was walking an hour and a half later, which now I was like grateful I'd had the first surgery because I knew what to expect. Um, But like she came, she was like little, but like little, but not too little. Like she was five pound 11. She never went to the NICU. She was like totally healthy. She's a great kid, like super easy, super chill, just a, a fun little baby, you know? So, yeah. And and when I when I had that surgery, it it apparently rarely happens because I was thinking maybe they can cut out that tumor when I have the baby. And my doctor said, no, we can't because it's too much blood loss. Um, and so I, you know, I went to God and said, Well, what do you think about that? And he said, I'll give you a double portion. And I went, okay. And so I was just waiting for my double portion on the operating table. Well, they deliver Booth, and then, you know, Joran's sitting over with Booth while she's like getting like, you know, wrapped up or whatever. And one of the nurses says, oh, my gosh, what is that? And my doctor goes, my doctor laughs and goes, it's a fibroid. And I, and I said, I told you it would come out. And she goes, yeah, it is. It's like it's delivered itself. So actually the tumor came out with everything else when the pregnancy. So I got wow. my little double portion. Got a few extra, double portion. Oh, got a few extra in the mix. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Um, yeah. I've heard you say that in every hard thing, there's an opportunity for an upgrade. Oh, yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you share more about that? Because I think that is a really good mindset. Well, I think it's it comes down to like um, what you believe about the nature of God, you know, and I and I think like if you if you truly believe that God works all things together for good, then you will believe that there is an upgrade in every situation. Yeah. Um, if you truly believe like that he is like, working on your behalf and that he can step in and turn anything around, then there really is an upgrade. And, you know, as us talking to someone about this the other day, I think sometimes we're we're begging God to, you know, to make the journey easier or begging God, like, please take this from me. But, you know, in hindsight, when we're, we're going, thank God I got to walk through fire. Thank God I got to like, you know, so I look at our story and I go, thank, thank God that like, you know, for me, like I was, you know, an untalented like kid from the projects who lived in my mum's car. Thank God that that's my story. Thank God. Because where where else would I have like, I don't know that I would have like encountered God the way that I did, yeah. you know. Thank God that I was like incredibly untalented except for I could write lyrics really well and I had to work with all the other stuff because yeah. then I needed God to like be the one to come and make up the difference, you know. Thank God that I I was single for so long and that I actually had to contend for the person like who I ended up marrying. Thank God, because now there's not a moment in our marriage where I don't I don't have the reference point of God did this for me. Yeah. You know, with our daughter, you know, the, everyone had said to me, look, you know, well, is how is parenting so hard? You know, you know, everything, you know, getting no sleep is so hard. If you know, for me, it was so sweet. Like I loved. I loved those sleepless nights. I I treasured them because I kept thinking, like, look how kind God is. Yeah. You know, so I think you've got to think about, like, I don't think God sends us hard things on purpose. I think we live in a fallen world where God has a way of being able to take those things and, like, work it work it for your good, you know. And if it's not good yet, then it's then it's just not finished. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all of that comes down to like what you believe about God. So what's now? Is there, I mean, you probably can't share if there is a, a, a faith thing that you are contending for now, but what do you think, what do you feel God's saying for you as a family now? Um, you're in Nashville, you're writing songs. I think, are you part of the belonging company church? Yeah. 
I've actually been part of the belonging since it was just five of us in a basement. Um, hey. Yeah. So, I mean, God's so kind. We have such a sweet life here and, you know, there's there's little things I'm believing for, but I feel like at the moment, um, you know, we, you have like manifest seasons and then hidden seasons. I think at the moment I feel like a little bit like I'm in a hidden season of just kind of waiting on what's next, you know, and and just being faithful with what's in my hands. Yeah. Which is trying to like do, trying to do, you know, my, my, my job well and my daughter well, and, you know, be a wife. Well, I think the thing that like God is speaking to me about has been like a big thing over the last two years has been like, wait patiently for the Lord, mm. you know, cause I think we can like strong arm God into anything, but I don't, it's not necessarily like how he, it's not just what he wants to do, how he wants to do it is really important as well. So, I mean, I think there's big things. I did say to someone the other day, like, what do you do when, what do you, I, I was actually with Darlene Check and I, and I'd said to her, I don't know if I've got any big dreams left. And she goes, we just need to dream bigger. Yeah. You know, so I think, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Like what's, what's the thing I've seen you do so much God, I yeah. guess there must be something huge next because I think I'm ready to start believing for another yeah. thing. It is yeah. an interesting place to be in when you've spent a lot of years trusting and believing for something and then you're living in the promise. Yeah. To, it's kind of weird not to have the, yeah. Not to have something to like contend for yeah. in the same way. You know, we've yeah. got things we're always contending for, but yeah. just not in the same way. You know, I think you go from contending for a promise to stewarding it, yeah. you know, and um, I'll say this just because I feel like it gives a bit of context for like, you know, you don't just like get a promise and then, okay, I'm on to the next thing. Like God's yeah. like, okay, now, now now hold it well. Yeah. You know, I remember, um, I remember I've always been someone who works full time and, you know, in this season I'm I'm not working as much as I was mm-hmm. um, just because I want to be with my daughter and I feel like that's maybe going to be the best thing for her as well. But um, I remember you know, my husband, he's such a better person if he gets sleep. So I I just decided I would do all the night feeds. Yeah. And um, and then he's incredibly helpful during the day and probably more helpful if he gets a good night's sleep. So when Ruth was little and she was, you know, she was really little, so she was um, waking up every two or three hours to be fed. And I remember getting up every night and just feeling like it was so special. And I remember changing her I remember changing her one night and I felt like the Holy Spirit just leaned over my shoulder and just said to me, this is holy work. And I just, for me, it gave me such a sense of like, you didn't just give me a promise because I was believing for one. You gave it to me because in this season I need a, I need to steward it really well. And I think like sometimes, you know, faith, faith is what you believe about God and like, being convinced about who God is. But I think there is something really massive to like when you can be trusted, like it's easier mm-hmm. for for God to be like, okay, you're ready. Like, and I don't think, you know, I don't think you have to tick off a bunch of boxes to get married or like tick off a bunch of boxes to be a parent. But I think when you've had a journey with God, you do carry it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a story with God, you you know, you don't look at your kids as an inconvenience. You look at your kids as like, I can't believe God did this to me. This is an inheritance and how do I how do I treasure it and make it, you know, like invest it well, like, you know, treat it as as the as the as the treasure that it is. You know? Legacy. So yeah. Yeah. You know, like with, with my husband, I don't look at it and like, you know, in you know, if my husband and I ever have a disagreement, you know, I don't get everything right, but one thing I've never done is I've never called him a name ever because I just I I don't ever think like I've never had a moment where I think like why did I marry you? You know, and I know that's not everybody's story, but for me because I have a reference point of God did this for me. I so much. I don't know. It makes me makes me just mm. look at our whole marriage and our whole life as like incredibly intentional. Like like how intentional was heaven? Yeah. It's a gift, even if it's difficult sometimes, it's a gift. So you can see it and yeah, and yeah, yeah. You just get um, to navigate it differently if that's your reference point. How yeah. do you stay hungry when you are living in the in a like I've just said, you know, you God has he's he's 
broken through. He's brought you an amazing husband. He's given you this baby. You're in this season of that it's comfortable. How do you stay hungry in comfort? How do you step out of your comfort zone when you're in this season? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I hate being comfortable. Like being being comfortable is incredibly uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Because I don't like to sit still. Like I like to be busy. I like to have things to believe, or I like to have like you know my hand in ten different pies. So for me, being in rest is actually like it's probably actually a a bit of a lesson from God for me. Um, I would say one thing as far as being comfortable. Um, I just looked over my little baby's just sleeping over there. <laughs> cute thanks maria um so like i think for me like staying grateful like is is a is a is a really great place to be staying grateful and then just like you know in this season i'm i'm definitely just like oh what do you want to do what do you want to do and you, you know at the moment he keeps answering like you're in transition and like you're in waiting and you're in you're in you know, the kind of the pause and think on that season. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like to be paused, you know, but I think you've got to learn to sow in both seasons. You're going to have manifest seasons where you, you, every every direction you turn, you see the goodness of God. And you're going to have hidden seasons where every direction you turn, you can't see God at all. Um, But I think in those seasons, if you can learn to like still declare as though you are seeing it mm-hmm. and believe as though you are seeing it, and in the seasons where you are seeing it, you thank him for the opportunity that you yeah. you got to attend for something, you know. Mm. I think you, testimony is such an amazing thing because it does it does give you a reference point of, of how, like you look back so you know how to go forward. I think that's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I know there will be other things that I have to believe for, especially Western culture. We have this whole culture of people that like, We'll get a get get one breakthrough and then want to build a whole ministry out of it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know that that's how God wants us to live. I think the whole point is like, we're in relationship with Him, so He wants to give us a story where it's testimony after testimony yeah. after. He is not how how you maneuvered heaven, you know. Can you tell us about your music and songwriting? Is there anything that people can? Is there anything coming out soon or um, that you're working on that people could listen to or will find? Uh, the great thing for me is I'm always, you know, I'm always writing for other people, not for myself. Um, and but even in writing for other people and serving what they do, you know, there is a bit of a crossover if you can't help but still write what's in your heart. So, um, you know, one of the ways that I've got through a lot of seasons is when I couldn't pray it anymore and I couldn't say it anymore, I would just sing it. So, you know, I I often will write songs of faith declaring like that God is doing something in the midst you know and so um when i was believing for a baby i actually wrote a song called miracle story with a girl called brenly brown and her music's going to come out later this year and and that song will come out later this year oh. and it's uh, to me it's it's special to me because i know what it's about so yeah. but yeah i mean i'm always working on a hundred things but yeah. that's i'm really excited for that to come out and hopefully help people like hold on for their own miracle stories You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.